I am Nimi and I'm Ritu from Adventurize this is Venturing Beyond a podcast where we delve into the career stories of ambitious individuals Today we have with us Priyal Kenny who is a chartered accountant working as a consultant she is the founder of a non-profit organization called Play and Shine which aims to build a culture of sports where individuals receive right foundation and mentorship and support in nurturing and growing through sports in general she's also a rifle shooter who represented india for around 7 years at various international tournaments so priya thank you so much for being here we're really excited to have you on the podcast Thank you so much Ruto and it's it's my pleasure to be a part of it and I really look forward to the fruitful interaction and conversations we're going to have in the next few minutes. So before we get started and dive deeper into your journey, uh, do you mind taking a couple minutes to describe your career journey so far, what you have done and uh, how did you get where you are? I'm a chartered accountant by qualification and I'm currently working in the consulting domain and outside of my professional and academic accomplishments uh, I'm a sports enthusiast been a rifle shooter myself for the past 13 years out of which I had a 7 year stint with the Indian rifle shooting team uh, traveled extensively across Germany Czech Republic Spain uh, and South Korea shot a lot of competitions uh, won over 117 medals broke three national records and it's it's been a very fulfilling journey uh, as an international athlete till now um, other than that i've even uh, founded my own non-profit uh, organization which is known as the play and shine foundation uh, it was just a pursuit to merge my passion for sports entrepreneurship and social impact we kind of promote sports at a grassroots level among children belonging to underprivileged sections of the society and i have spoken about my work at uh, tedx iit bombay srcc and a lot of other Uh, leading organizations and institutions and universities within India, and uh, uh, my TEDx talk is there on YouTube for for sustainability, and you can you can give it give it a watch and try and understand the entire concept of using sports for achieving a sustainable development goals. Yeah, that's amazing. In fact, as I was doing a bunch of research on you, I realized that your talks about discipline and focus and all that you have been able to derive from sports has been really immense in. what you're doing right now professionally as well so which we will talk about in depth a little bit later but uh, before i get into that i just wanted to understand a little bit about how did you get started with sports and also with ca how did your journey start with these two things and was there any experimentation process behind choosing these particular professions and how did the decision making process look like so shooting was something i very coincidentally stumbled upon um i was very curious to try different types of sport had already um tried chess basketball throwball was pursuing them uh, by the side when i i stumbled upon shooting for the first time i found out about this shooting club in my school uh, that had that had just started and they were going to have like a basic orientation session at the shooting range which was uh, luckily just 5 minutes from where i stay and i just decided that, that i'll go for it uh, because i was fascinated by the idea of being able to use a gun so i i went for that session held a gun for the first time fired a few uh, pellets and i think there was no looking back after that it's 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 been a very phenomenal journey since when and now when i look back it it really amazes me that you know just by plain chance or plain luck i stumbled upon something which has now become such an integral part of my life and trust me that day when i stepped on the shooting range for the first time i did not know that this day was going to be the big game changer of my life and it 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 was 
always say that sports is something that uh, has really shaped my individuality in a very profound manner. So, are you still pursuing rifle shooting professionally or to certain degree, or have you? Yes, that? I'm still in touch with the sport, and I know one thing for sure that it's such an integral part of my life that it's here to stay. Mm-hmm. It's as of 13 years down and a lifetime to go. So, very much in touch with the sport. Uh, still play, compete at the national and the state level. Uh, inside the last match that we had before, you know, COVID surprised us all were the national championships in Bhopal, which happened in December 2019. and i made a podium finish finish over there by winning a bronze medal in my pet event so in, like still in touch with the sport and you know still performing well in it as far as chartered accountancy is concerned it, it was more of a conscious or a planned decision because i was someone who was always academically very strong so i knew i didn't want to play it small <clears throat> wanted to really uh, set some milestones as far as my academic career is concerned and when i was done with my 12th grade i kind of knew that uh, since i had taken up commerce what i intend to do next and keeping in mind the different professional courses that are available in india and you know what i can choose out of the opportunities that are available to me chartered accountancy kind of aligned well with where i saw myself 3 or 5 years down the line or what what kind of domain i would want to work in or skill set i would want to develop or you know just the mere fact that i would want to study core accounting and core finance in greater depth is is what really motivated me to pursue chartered accountancy and i still remember one of one of the biggest things that interests me was the rigor of the course because ca is a single course uh, like it is like one of those professional courses in india which does not have any form of reservation so you getting those two letters before your name is solely and solely dependent upon the hard work you put in and how you sail through the exam like like nothing else can can earn you that degree or title and then of course it's a very tough course with uh, you know 2 2% success rate 5% success rate in the final lap that is cf final and i i i felt that i wanted to really take up the challenge and you know see how i fare at it and that's how i consciously decided to pursue chartered accountancy mm-hmm. yeah going kind of of that so when you are making this decision of wanting to pursue this for the long term uh were there any specific you know set of people that you spoke to or resources that you looked into so uh, of course talking to a lot of seniors or uh, peers at at college really helped because at that point of time i did seek some form of mentorship i was in the look for a good counselor or a good mentor but uh, and due to some reason it it did not come my way of course i have really understood the importance of it now and uh have i look up to many people as my mentors who are really guiding me and hand holding me in a great way with respect to a lot of things but uh, back then i did not uh, have that kind of uh, access or did not have that kind of privilege so spoke to a lot of my peers in in college spoke to a lot of my seniors kind of tried and understand uh, try to gain gauge and understanding from them uh, as to what was their reason for pursuing the professional course they were pursuing what resources they look up to spoke to a lot of professors of you know uh, who else i can get in touch with uh, with respect to the preceding batches or any other alumni and really put myself out there and spoke to a lot of people immersed myself in a lot of research like just sat on the internet for hours with like you know 10 15 tabs open at the same time you know try and understanding it because uh, any professional course you take up is a minimum four year commitment sometimes it's a five or a six year commitment and then even the rest of your life uh, largely depends upon uh, that decision that you take back then so i really wanted to be very sure about it so, you know a lot of times when you are just out of high school or in college 
there just simply aren't enough people in your network that you can reach out to. You might have like an elder cousin or someone in your family who might have done it before, but a lot of times, you know, it's very, very limited of a perspective as well. So now that you mentioned that you do have some form of mentors or people that you can reach out to, how, how did you find those people? And how does the, the networking process behind that look like? So you have to uh, reach out and and seek help like that is how bluntly i can put it help is not going to come to you or nobody's going to be like oh she's a sincere student or i see great potential in her so i should go out and help her it's not going to happen you have to put yourself out there uh, try and identify the process starts by trying to identify what your goals are where you see yourself one year three or five years down the line and then Try and figure out uh, who can who can be the people who can really help you get there. Can be a professor, uh, can be anyone within your family who holds the same qualification, can be any senior you have a good rapport with, anybody. And once you've identified that person who uh, kind of belongs to the same domain, same field aligns well with you, your goals, try and reach out to that person, uh, strike a conversation, try to build an initial rapport, try to build an initial relationship and once you have done that, then you can you can probably, you know, literally be more upfront and ask that you, you seek for their help, you seek for their mentorship. And mentorship also, I largely believe, is a two-way process. Uh, people never say no to help, at least in, in my case, no, because I have really made sure that uh, I, anytime I reach out to anyone for mentorship, I always appreciate that person for whatever even little help that person has given. And and also assure that person that the little time that they'll be giving me, the little effort they'll be putting into me, uh, I'm always answerable to them. I'm always accountable to them. So even when I get onto a mentorship call with anyone, I, I, I set a specific agenda that, you know, this is what we discussed the last time. This is how I have worked on the action points you gave me. This is my progress or track record with respect to the goals that we discussed. This is what I want to discuss in today's call. And prospectively, these are the things that I'm planning to do in the near future. So I would even want to know your two cents about it. So it's a two-way process. Make sure you're not wasting the other person's time. Make sure that you you are consistently working on the advice they give you and at the same time appreciating them in, in whatever way possible for how they're helping you. Yes, it's always a two-way process and it's also yeah. about thinking what is the value that you can give them as well because a lot of times even if there isn't a lot of professional experience on hand there are a lot of other aspects like the foundation you're working on or the other activities that you've been involved in uh, there's always some value at so thinking about uh, the professional opportunities that you have been able to get how did that happen so even if your current job or the previous jobs that you have got in is it solely looking for jobs on job boards online or is it networking or is it college placements what has been your experience so for the current job i had uh, since i i was a chartered accountant trying to switch into a consulting space because chartered accountants are generally tagged to auditor taxation roles but i want to really explore the entire domain of consulting and you know try to carve a niche in that domain i went all out so i basically started off by making a list of uh, my target companies that I wanted to work at, start proactively reaching out to people who are currently working there or previously worked there, try and, and build some kind of relationship or rapport with them, try to understand the kind of work culture there, opportunities or potential openings in the future, kind of sh like, you know, uh, shot out my resume a couple of places, made my profile in a lot of job boards. So 
job hunting in india is um, is, is is a very uh, time consuming and i may say sometimes even an overwhelming process because you may apply to a thousand places and might just hear back from two or three and that that's more or less what the success rate is so anybody also right now looking to make a job switch like go all out like don't don't be dependent on that one referral you have or don't be dependent on one job board in which you have invested money or played a profile like like go all out reach out to everyone like tr- like try and speak to a lot of people even before you land an interview even before you go into your round one of the interview try and speak to maximum people on what the interview is like what their experience has been and just immerse yourself in the entire process when you talk about the people that you particularly reached out to were these common connections or people you had some mutual contacts with or was it just strangers uh, i reached out to everyone from first degree to second degree connections to absolute cold calling emailing everything i had to leave no stone unturned but i feel the success rate uh, largely comes out of your first degree and second degree connections uh, first degree connections are generally your immediate friends which were at the same professional level as i but they knew a lot of second degree connections who were either alumni from the institute they studied at seniors at work managers at work and they in turn referred me there from where there was a lot of conversion that came in so for me response rate wise wise the first degree connections work and conversion rate wise the second degree connections work but so generally talking about sports and you know kind of career field that not a lot of women would pursue as like the first thing that they want to do uh, a lot of times we do it in schools go to national level tournaments and leave it there right uh, yeah. there's very few people who actually go on to pursue it and you know to an extent that you did so uh, have you faced any kind of bias or just just like negative things coming uh, from people that uh, might have demotivated you so largely yes because uh, i have just observed for the kind of society we thrive in uh, we always give other people the leeway or the freedom or even if we don't give it other people feel they always have the right to kind of throw their opinions on you or uh, largely they have this definition of what an ideal 20 year old should be or what an ideal 25 year old should be and if you do not fit within their definition they they always have their criticism or their opinions to you know uh, throw at you and whatever my timeline or my journey has been till now i've always done things out of the box i've always done things very unconventional like when all my peers or any 15 16 year old would only be only focusing on the 10th or 12th board exams and immersing themselves in study i was someone who was like traveling the world and taking part in shooting matches um when i was at the fag end of my graduation i decided to you know like start with my article ship and give my intermediate level ca exams and by then like my my peers back at college were already two years done with the course so a lot of people felt it was a calculated risk what if i ultimately don't manage to clear my ca finals like my career would go for a toss and then ultimately when i was in ca final and decided to take a year's break from shooting to focus on ca final again people felt now you're gambling with your career as a shooter at the peak of your career you're deciding to focus on ca final so at every stage people have had their opinions their criticisms to you know throw at me as a kid of course they affected me a lot more and many a times i even succumbed to it doubted myself Uh, kind of discounted myself for like forgone a lot of opportunities i had in hand but now i've i've just realized how to you know put them at the back of my mind or uh, not to pay attention to them i wouldn't say they don't affect me uh, i mean any form of negativity would affect anyone like no nobody ha- very few people have that kind of resistance or they are completely immune to any form of negativity so 
even now if i get negative vibes from anywhere it does affect me but i react much faster i learned how to put it away much faster and i i can just like spring back from it in no time and 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 that is something i have probably learned the harsh way but i'm glad i'm i'm pretty much like that now you are still in your 20s and i think yeah. being able to have that kind of capacity to know what's important and what's not and process it that way instead of getting overwhelmed by what's been what's been said about you it's is definitely a great quality to have and especially today with you know the world of linkedin and social media and all of that like i think yeah like being able to compartmentalize those things and process yeah. them rationally is uh, really really important so i do know that uh, you are really active on linkedin and that's how i discovered you basically and uh, you have been able to create your you know brand around that so was that a conscious decision you took in terms of you know being really active on social media and like posting consistently um did you have like specific objectives behind it and i asked this specifically because uh, this is the kind of advice a lot of young people get and a lot of my friends as well it seems like for you to be visible and for you to be uh, seen by recruiters or any of those things it's something that you got to do and th- that might not be everyone's cup of tea right and you've been yeah. doing that really well and you get a lot of great engagement but uh, yeah what what is your thought process behind that so uh, starting to you know post on linkedin or rather putting my linkedin on steroids was one of the most conscious decisions i've taken in my life till now because uh for people who know me uh very well know the fact that i'm generally the most modest person in the room i don't like to brag about anything or even speak up about my achievements like so many times people have met me they've they've known me for a couple of days and much later they find out about you know the other things i do in life and then i i get a very standard reaction that you know why didn't you tell me about this before but i really uh refrain from uh you know amplifying or speaking about my achievements but uh, since i have started working in the social impact space and you know when you are leading an entire organization and you have some big ideas in mind that you really want to grow and you really want to expand the work um, that's when a lot of responsibility comes on your shoulders and that's pretty much what happened with me because i realized that uh, now is the time that you you know cannot play it modest you cannot play it low if you are really working you're creating some difference in the society it needs to get some kind of visibility it needs to get noticed and only when that happens will people acknowledge your efforts and come ahead and support you further or more doors will open for you so that was one of the main decisions why i started posting on linkedin started posting about a lot of the social impact work i do and a lot of people supported it uh, got to connect with some amazing people from the industry through which a lot of doors opened for me so it's been amazing and i think once the entire process uh, started once i could actually break free from all these inhibitions and finally put myself out there and start posting i i got to hear from a lot of chartered accountancy students a lot of uh, current sports persons of you know how they find my story inspiring and 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 generally in my dms a lot of standard questions kept coming in that hey what's your opinion on this what do you think about this how do you manage this can you please guide me with respect to this and i and i realized that uh, you know probably instead of me sharing my journey or my advice or, or whatever wisdom i have to share in in these 26 years of my life with any one person reaching out to me on linkedin or one person reaching out to me in the dms i would rather put it out as a post there because i'm sure if it's coming to this person's mind there'll be a thousand other people out there who probably will have this somewhere in the back of the mind but did not muster up the courage to you know literally dm me or you know talk it out with me so that's how i started posting a lot of uh, 
uh, a lot of content which provided insights about chartered accountancy, provided insights about shooting sports, how you can manage conflicting careers. And, and I, I think uh, because most of the content that goes up there largely streams from, you know, questions coming in from people, from discussions that I'm having, like, like this or, you know, other real life interactions, um, a lot of people relate to it well and which is why the engagement is, has really been going up. So that's that's basically how and when my LinkedIn went up on steroids. So if you had to give certain tips or suggestions to someone just starting out on creating their professional brand on LinkedIn or just posting their opinions, what would your, let's say, top three tips be? Uh, first of all, like, just start posting like trust me don't wait for the right time or the right kind of content or anything like like for me i wasted a lot of time initially figuring out oh let me come up with an elaborate plan of action let me come out with this let me come up with that but i would suggest just start posting see what kind of response what kind of traction you're getting to what you write about and the more you write the more you kind of figure out uh, what people enjoy reading or what they really look up to you for advice or what what uh, people really uh, like to read about the different content that you post so like just start writing about it and secondly be consistent you you cannot like put up two posts this week and then the next three weeks you're not putting up something so be consistent like because I have a very taxing and a very packed schedule I I kind of mark dates on my calendar where I know I, I have to like write something on LinkedIn if any idea comes to my mind I already have a diary ready where I noted down that you know this probably can be a potential LinkedIn post at some point in the future and because once my day kicks off at work it's generally so grueling that before I start my day at 11 a.m I generally like start an hour early log into my laptop see you know what I want to write about today keep the post handy and ready and then probably upload it sometime during the day when I know that the traction might be higher or the response rate will be higher so I mean monitor the timing or the days during the week when you're getting good traction post consistently and most importantly just just start like like just get into the process yeah, that's so true. Before we started off trying to figure out how to promote this podcast or, you know, get our services on board or just spread the word, it's the same thing. Nami and I, we sat down, we had like a whole strategy in place and we figured out how to schedule our posts, what are the things we want to write. And we had so much planning done that we just never ended up doing what we had to because all that energy was spent into strategizing all of the things behind uh, but yeah, once you start, ideas come to you and you also get to sort of understand what works, what doesn't, what is something True. that you don't need to say because someone else has already said it. And since you mentioned a couple of times that your work is really, really busy, but you're also able to manage time to do all of these other things that you are and, you know, run your NGO and uh, have engage in uh, things like this and have that online presence. How do you do that? Our productivity largely fluctuates during the day and for me, what works is I have really identified these hyper-productivity pockets during the day that really work for me. Like for me, I'm more of a night person than a day person. And after I've logged out from work, after 11 p.m., 12 p.m., I'm I'm generally more hyper-productive because uh, number one, the pressure gets to me that, okay, fine, the day is coming to an end and you still have a list of tasks before you. And majorly, the most important things uh, that are there at work related to office or related to uh, the professional work I'm done and that, that's picked off. So then these other aspects of, you know, working on my LinkedIn, working on the NGO, working on the other things, I just have those things in mind. And I have just noticed that that's one huge hyperproductivity pocket where I 
can squeeze in three or four hours of work probably in an hour or 90 minutes. So try and identify these little pockets during the day that work for you. Try and squeeze in your maximum work during that. The little, the little things can really be squeezed in into these HPPs and they can be done. So since you spoke about social impact a little bit earlier and how you've always been passionate about it, uh, how did that journey uh, look like? And when did you decide that, you know, you wanted to do something greater and create a bigger impact uh, by starting your organization? And um, yeah, if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, so I started uh, Play and Shine back in 2018. So it actually happened because of a lot of things falling together. I was at the fag end of my chartered accountancy course. And after that, I really wanted to go back to work in the social impact space because that was something where I was actively working in uh, when I was in school and college, volunteered with a lot of organizations working for child education and child development. So when I started looking out for prospective opportunities, uh, started doing my research, uh, a friend of mine who was actually now my co-founder, he came up to me and told me that uh, why not start something of your own? Because he, he knew I was very passionate about the social impact space, had this entrepreneurial drive and always did something or the other to stay connected with the sports community. So he said, why not merge all these three together and start your own social organization by which uh, you can, you know, be a social entrepreneur by which you're giving back to the society by promoting sports among underprivileged uh, children. And though I loved the idea, I had my apprehensions about how many people would even resonate with it. So I, I decided to start it as a, as a non-profit initiative first. I uh, wanted to test like, or rather do a pilot study as to how many people will even uh, understand what I'm trying to do, resonate well with the cause, or even align with my vision. But in a few months, I kind of realized that people are really understanding what I'm trying to do, the problem statement I'm trying to address. And uh, things really gain momentum. And that's when we decided that we'll go ahead and register this as a separate legal entity. And we got registered as a charitable trust. Uh, and now it's, it's been quite some time that we're working in this space till now I've had the chance to work with more than 500 volunteers on several projects and uh, have a lot of plans also in mind going forward. So it's, it's been a very fulfilling experience. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting how you're able to, you know, scale it up that much that quickly. Uh, did you particularly, you know, start with reaching out to people that you already knew or thought would be interested in, in what you're trying to do? Because as someone who's just just starting out, does not have a lot of, you know, predefined connections in the space, how did that outreach look like? Yeah, so I initially did start off with that approach, uh, reached out to immediate friends and family members and tried to explain my concept to them. And I had a lot of connections within the uh, sports community so I knew a lot of people were already looking for opportunities by which they can give back to the sports community and this seemed like an ideal fit so I reached out to those people and got them on board and I, I think that was a good starting point for me because uh, they they were like the founding team that I have and the, and the kind of crucial support that came to me uh, from them at the at the beginning is I think what really gave me that extra, extra push to you know or the or the or the launch pad to really get started with things. So if there was someone to uh, like a younger version of you or someone just starting out in the social entrepreneurship space, or maybe someone who wants to pursue it full time, uh, do you have any advice for that? Uh, of course, I would say uh, your team is going to be your backbone. It's going to be your pillar. So pick your team very carefully. I have many a times uh, really wasted crucial time, effort and opportunities because 
uh, I did not pick the right person to be on the team or I counted on the right person to you. When you start a social organization or any venture, as a matter of fact, uh, trust me, for you, it, it starts meaning everything. Like for me, even I look at Tianchen as my baby and I would do anything for it. Like I would go all out for it. And that's actually something I've already been doing. And then when you like count on someone or take someone on a team who is not as dedicated as you to it or probably does does not appreciate the work you're doing does not even put in the kind of effort you expect him to put it it's not only a demoralizer to you but the entire team gets affected by it and that that can really affect the work uh, the flow of the operations and and the starting few months they're really crucial because uh, you really need to take calculated risks you need to tread carefully because it's these first initial successes or failures that determine whether you're going to really continue, you're going to keep up with it, or you know how far you're going to scale up, grow, or succeed later on in life. So choose your team carefully, uh, choose your people carefully, and I mean, like invest a great amount of time in it. Like just don't like rely on someone or take someone on board because you you felt that you know you can take a chance with it. Like try and and avoid the, all these chance factors or risks when when it comes to picking people for your team. I read somewhere that you are an avid reader and you do indulge a lot of time, you know, reading all sorts of things. So if you were to have any book recommendations or even, you know, educational social media handles that you follow or, or any resources that might help like an 18 to 25 year old figuring life out. So uh, social media handles don't follow many, but one of the most powerful books I've read till now is The Power of a Subconscious Mind. Like I prefer reading that kind of a content. I prefer reading Secret and all those kind of books. So The Power of Your Subconscious Mind is something that uh, has been one of the best books I've read till now. And a few things written there is something I, I practice on a regular basis. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self, right? Or someone who just graduated high school or college, what would that advice be for someone who's just starting out? I would have told the 15 or 16-year-old me that don't underestimate yourself. Like, dream big and just go after it. Like, I mean, now when I look back, uh, like I told you, my, my regret is discounting my potential and not not making the most of the opportunities I had in hand because I I failed to have a, a, an ambitious vision or I, I really failed to dream big. So if I could go back, I would tell myself that, you know, stop underestimating yourself and start playing big in life. Put yourself out of your comfort zone. The best learning will happen out of your comfort zone even if it means at times you have to throw yourself under the bus to it because Trust me, till you don't take risks, till you don't do that, you will never be able to gauge how far you can go. There are many times where I have underestimated myself and felt I cannot achieve something, but then muster the courage and literally gone after it only to realize that I have outperformed my capabilities or outperformed my potential or set new benchmarks for myself. So, uh, of course, putting yourself out of a comfort zone is not an easy affair. Uh, you may feel very weirded or out of place at the beginning, but that is where your greatest learning lies. And Trust me, stay committed to what you're doing. Keep working hard because there is light at the end of the tunnel. That is that is something I literally tell everyone. Like your your efforts will never go in vain. Even if failures come your way, just hold on and keep going. Sometimes you'll win, sometimes you'll learn. But trust me, when you look at the larger picture, it's, it's going to be a win-win situation for you.